Hello everybody, welcome to the World of Brick Films podcast, I am your host, William of AW Studios. Uh, joining us as always is my good friend and co-host, Sean Woods of City Panther. And this one won't be all about a film that I made. <laughs> For once, yeah. <laughs> and uh, our special guest today is Walter Benson. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you again for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, I'll have some uh, some good things to share, but we'll see. <laughs> What's actually really um, quite mad, actually, uh, about um, just like the podcast uh, in general is uh, last month, um, like as of recording this, um, it, we actually got to our third anniversary of making the podcast, which is just like insane. I, I really can't believe that it's been like three years <laughs> and um, I appreciate it so much as to how much, you know, people have uh, kind of been, you know, kept tuning in and, and um, yeah, just amazing. I, I hope that we uh, continue for uh, three more years and, and beyond. So, yeah. But yeah, anyway, um, back to uh, back to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for for joining us today. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. And if I can add too, um, just like kind of in relation to the whole thing, three years of this podcast, um, I know last year was great for me just being able to animate and listen to episodes of this show kind of <laughs> as motivation to continue <laughs> onward. Um, it, was, it was this and I think Frame 100 were the things I just kept listening to because it was so nice to hear the voices of other Brick filmers as I'm brick filming, <laughs> there's so, there's something to that that can't be matched when when you're when you're animating, which is nice. Oh yeah, yeah totally. I really appreciate that people you know people often say like that they enjoy listening to them, or they listen to them while they're animating, and yeah. you know people comment on them. But but yeah, um, <laughs> to get back on topic, I suppose I find it interesting. As far as I know, you've been watching brick films for a lot longer than you've been making them. So I wonder if you could sort of. Uh, explain your your history with brick filming in general yeah i don't know how often i've shared it with people i don't share it with certain people but i kind of came from a like a background where i didn't have access growing up to kind of the things needed to brick film but i really liked brick filming because i was very much in the lego at the time um i think it was I know, I know, Penta. You're gonna, you're gonna know pretty much the dates, roughly, of this stuff I'm gonna bring up because we're gonna go kind of like back into the history a bit. It, it was around maybe a year or two before Bricks in Motion, so it was like when BrickFilms.com was a thing that I had stumbled across the website and kind of started understanding like that you can make stop motions with uh with Lego. Actually, I think the first the first ones I had seen had been one or two of those official lego ones like i think the lego studio sets might have been my first introduction or or it might have been one of the the spite your face animations like the, i think it was a spider-man one or yeah. the there was another one they had done the, 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 han, the han solo, solo affair, affair. Yeah. is that it yeah <laughs> yeah oh man that so as a kid you see that and it's just like you're seeing your favorite toy come to life and it's very um i was somebody that already really liked animation like i grew up on the steady diet of like looney tunes classic disney animated films um stuff like that um even old like black and white comedies uh three stooges stuff like that so there was a lot of passion i had for that sort of thing kind of like that slapstick comedy element and just uh just animation in general um so so i think that was just something all that kind of mixed together as a kid seeing that got me really excited um and lego i think i don't know like 
if anyone, I, I feel like a lot of people will, will relate to this. <laughs> um, but with toys, it's funny growing up because, you know, they, they break, you throw them out, you sell them as you get older. Um, maybe you keep some for like memory's sake, you know, but Lego was the one thing that was just the constant of like, this quality is so dang durable. Mm. It's like, I don't want to throw this out. I can just keep using it to build new stuff. I, I tore down that set from 20 years ago, but I have pieces here that I constantly reuse. Yeah. Maybe it gets really scratched up. Maybe it gets scuffed up a little bit. <laughs> maybe there's teeth marks. I don't know, <laughs> but it just, it just lasts a long time. So there's something there where if you're collecting it as you're going through like your adolescence into your teen years, you know, um, there's something there where it's just like you have a lot of it. You have these tools and it's like, oh, I want to make something with this. Yeah, you never um, want to get rid of it just in case you become one of those <laughs> adult <laughs> fans of Lego. <laughs> one of those people. Oh, no. No. Um, yeah, so that that was kind of my, uh, I guess that was kind of my introduction to it. Uh, and it was a thing where I, I wanted to like do it, but I kind of couldn't. I think there was a brief period where my, uh, I think my dad had access to like a camcorder or something. And I tried to do something with it. Um, it didn't work. I, I can't remember exactly what happened. It was a fuzzy memory. And I, I never really, I basically like went all those years, uh, teen years, just kind of going through watching the community from afar, watching brick filmers. I remember, uh, a Sme Smeagol was a big one. Smeagol studios. Um, just like before having a high speed internet, <laughs> just downloading waiting two hours to download i think it was clone trooper down this is like back in the days of dial-up so it's like no one could call on the phone it's like don't use the phones i'm downloading a brick film right now <laughs> that's pretty late for dial-up yeah it, it we, we were pretty pretty late to uh switch things up <laughs> But um, yeah, there are memories of that where it was just, just, just like being able to see those things. And I think waiting longer to see those brick films too and having to download the files, there was more of a reward there and yeah. waiting and then being able to see that. Um, I think that's a part of why it, it always felt like the release threads back then were super lively and got loads of replies because people had more of an investment having actually had to download the films. <laughs> yeah, I, I waited two hours for this thing. It better be good. <laughs> I mean, I guess there is that. Um, I think we touched on this like uh, in the past, but like, I feel like there is definitely this sort of sense of um, there is so much, so much like really impressive, like stuff that comes out now, like, like regularly um, I, I'll go on to like, you know, discord and stuff and I'll see what, you know, what people are doing. And quite often it's people that I don't even, like, really know. And the stuff that they're, like... It, so much of it seems, like, really impressive. Um, and it's just, like, really... Like, these days it kind of just feels like... Um, there's just so much, like, really, really, like, impressive stuff. Um, like, brick films and stuff. And it kind of, like... It's getting harder and harder to actually kind of, like, stand out. Yeah. And amongst all that really impressive stuff. Mm, yeah. Um and I feel like, you know, nowadays, um, as is just, like, the case with the internet, you know, over the past, like, I guess just, like, over, like, 20 years, like, you know, as things have, have like, progressed, um, like, technology and stuff, it's just, like, you know, our attention spans are getting smaller and smaller. No matter, you know, like, mm. and we can't really help that necessarily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would say we, we could if we took more extreme measures and like letting our attention spans kind of grow longer but that's a whole it's a whole different topic i don't want to get into <laughs> well 
I often like asking uh, what were some of the earliest brick films that you remember seeing like coming from the community? Oh yeah. Oh man. There's, it's going to be hard for me to recall stuff and there's going to be way more that I won't be able to remember. But like I mentioned Smeagol Studios was a big one because it was just like, this guy's doing Star Wars brick films and he's got CGI and like, um, I think it was when he made that, it was like that trailer for that was based off a star wars book or something it was bane, bane of the sith, of the sith. Was it? okay yeah yeah uh, and he just had like the the cgi bricks and stuff and the, and the lightsaber effects and as a kid you're just seeing that and your mind's blown um there, speaking of star wars there was one i loved and it was this french brick filmer and i can't remember he may not be french actually i could be wrong but he was not english speaking i know that much um he he did like a short brick film about some Jedi flying into I don't know if it was the Death Star or like some Imperial base and he has this little like lightsaber duel with Darth Vader. V- very like if anyone saw that now they probably wouldn't care, but back <laughs> then I just remember being like enraptured by that because like the the effects were pretty decent at the time, the animation was okay. Star Wars, you know, he had the sound effects and the music. I think he had the crawl in the beginning. I, I feel um, like, given the time period, I I I think it's uh, a a perilous mission, also known as Brick Wars, by a French guy called Zwan or Zwan. That might be it. Uh, did he do? Oh, actually, did he do another Brick film about? I think it was like a wizard, and there's something with someone turning into a frog. I I think it was called. I'm gonna butcher the French French pronunciation, but I think it's like Bonaventure or something. Yeah, he did. Yeah, is that him? Okay, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, yeah, that was the one. That was the one. I yeah, stuff like that. I, I liked a lot. Um, I think I'm trying to remember if I Chihuahua stuff. I'm I'm trying to remember if I encountered it early on or I just kind of missed it early on and then kind of came back later. But I loved a lot of his his early like one like kind of like one gag short films would just like break me up uh i think it was uh sports <laughs> this one just just it's, it's the dumbest joke which just makes me laugh because the guy's saying sports <laughs> stuff like that where it's just like the, the the animator clearly had fun making this and just probably was like you know laughing to death as he did it and you can just like sense that in the uh, in the final product <laughs> oh man! It's funny. I was actually uh, earlier, and I was trying trying to think of like um, a pick for the showcase. I actually was looking through some of Chihuahua's stuff because I almost picked like a couple. I think um, I really love. Uh, is it Back to School? Uh, is a great mm, yeah, one, and also um, oh, I think I remember that one. Yeah, another one of my favorite ones is um, Tender Family Moments. Reading is fun. <laughs> yes, <laughs> another classic. <laughs> that one's so good. Oh man! It's like 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 the when the they have the library card and it's just a horse. He coughs it up like <laughs> why I don't know. <laughs> he just does. <laughs> I think that's um that that's one of those things where like I, what I loved about his brick films, uh, especially his earlier ones, is just just that there was such a um like a personality infused mm, into yeah. those products. And it wasn't just to counter just those other ones I had liked, um, the, the French Star Wars brick film, where it's just, you know, it's Jedi fighting Darth Vader. There's not much personality there, you know, as good as a brick film as that was, 
you know, comparing it to something Chihuahua's done. I, I just love that sense of like personality and kind of the uniqueness of that person kind of coming through in the film. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. I don't know if this is particularly that like uh, kind of profound of a kind of concept, but like I was thinking about this um, the other day about like when it comes to like comedies, I think in, in even just like in a more broad sense, I feel like the the writer has to kind of like you you want to feel as though they were laughing when they were like you know coming up with the jokes and mm. um if you don't get that it kind of uh you can really f- you can tell you could i mean you could definitely tell yes. especially like when they ha- they have like laughed and they've thought about what you know what what makes them you know what makes makes them laugh you know like they uh, i think cuz obviously you know humor is so like subjective and not you know, you're not gonna like make everybody laugh, but if you can make yourself mm-hmm. laugh, I think you can really tell. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I think um, stand-up comics are great to uh, bring up in that regard because if you're not gonna believe in the, <laughs> if you're not gonna believe in the joke um, that you're telling in front of all these people, that very well, like you, you may tell it with like such passion and confidence, and it just they don't laugh at all. At least you went like all out. And you, you just kind of like, you gave your all to that joke, you know, I, I think, I think there's something to kind of being willing to fail, like just being willing to fail a hundred percent and you just pick yourself back up if it fails and try again. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of my favorite films, they aren't perfect and they wouldn't, they wouldn't be my favorite films if they were like something that somebody could call perfect because mm. then they wouldn't be throwing everything at the wall. So, mm. so that they wouldn't have hit on the the crazy things that work, if they were aiming for total perfection in a recognizable way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I I think um, I think for me, I'll like I'll like some films where it's like, <laughs> some comedies that are like probably like critics don't even really care for them. Like I think it's Hot Rod is one from like two thousand seven, because. <laughs> there's a point in the film where he like trips down a hill and they just have him like falling down this hill yeah for like keeps cutting from like shot to shot (laughs) i think it goes on for like a solid minute and if the joke isn't funny it probably isn't funny to some people and people get sick of it but i like laughed for i laughed so hard when i first saw that because it just kept committing to that joke for a solid minute and there's like 20 different shots of him falling down the hill that get like progressively more ridiculous um you'll see like a it's, it's obviously like a stunt man yeah or and you just know like that they had to do all of these stunt shots just for this stupid joke <laughs> yeah, yeah I, this thing is like i think some of my favorite uh comedies are like films that just do not deserve to be as good as they are um mm. like i think some of like jim carrey's stuff like um Dumb and Dumber is like one of my favorites, because um, it's such a is it really shouldn't work at all. It really should like completely fail, but it just it it never fails to make me like just laugh so much. Um, I don't know why, but there's like the the joke like near the beginning when um, when uh, they they kind of they, they break in and they they kill their their bird, and uh, they go in and he goes his head fell off like is it as though it just like dropped off. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's always made me laugh so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think humor is such an important element when you're talking about brick films. Not that you can't do brick films without humor, 
but I just feel like because of what the subject matter is, because of what the medium is, humor is just one of the most, uh, <laughs> it's most conducive, I feel like, if yeah. that's the right word, to the medium. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I, I like the sort of, um, you know, there's a, a type of humor in brick films where it's like, sometimes it'll just reference the fact that it's made out of Lego, even if the film isn't like, you know, always about how it's Lego. And I think that that's the way it mm-hmm. goes. It has some good moments mm. like that where, you know. Yeah, like the Larry. Like, yeah, the Larry tag, name yeah. tags. Like, my name's not Larry, oh, yeah. it's Bob. <laughs> you know, just little references to the printed torsos and, and things like that. I, I always find really funny. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, love that. And also, I love the, the joke about the, the guy that's smiling. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't like coffee. That one's really good. Oh, yeah, that was that was fun it's funny you mentioned these because it's like hard for me to remember sometimes <laughs> it's like oh yeah i did, I did make that <laughs> i mean there is a, like a gag i i, I kind of feel like um i really want to do about how um all of the kind of like brands within the like universe of lego are all just like really basic like you know you've got like the you just got like the brand the brand that's just burger and <laughs> shop and stuff and i kind of like the idea of like the just sort of thinking who came up with these ideas they're so, they're so unimaginative you know <laughs> i like in the lego movie how everyone eats a chicken leg <laughs> they're like really enthusiastic that they all love their chicken legs but uh yeah. i wanted to ask uh is staring contest was that actually your first brick film because it, it doesn't appear like a first brick film I think, I mean, I guess on a technical level, if I was technically making brick films with that camcorder, which I, I, I guess I, w- I think I had made like one, but I didn't know how to put it together. Then I guess it wouldn't be. But I think, I think I had done like one or two tests before uh, staring contest. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I, I've got to go back into the vault you know and think about this well, there, I, I, okay there was what there was a, a a brick film test i did with a couple little things and i had posted it on the forums before i made staring contest so kind of yes and no i guess would be the answer but i guess you must have just picked up enough over a couple of years of watching yeah. which is pretty oh yeah unusual. no that's that's a great topic to bring up um kind of like going back into my, my teens um when the transition kind of happened with the whole like kind of exodus from brick films to bricks in motion, it was weird. Cause I was like a lurker. So kind of like making that exodus over is someone that nobody on that site knew existed, you know, just kind of watching it from afar, but being like, okay, I guess I'm going to come over here now and see what they do. Um, kind of continually following the community from afar. I was able to pick up on things. Um, and, and I think one animator who helped, teach me as someone that was not doing brick films was fancy pants because there was a point in time where he made a couple different uh like animation tutorials that were just very helpful and incorporated uh certain principles of animation Mm. like uh uh what was it um what's the word kind of like preparation kind of that that, that aspect of anticipation thank you yes and I think he, he I think in the, in the tutorial, he has like a guy holding a wrench hitting another guy. And he kind of yes. shows how I love that. He shows, one. 
that was so influential to me that is it someone that like wasn't brick filming it was just like oh i'm seeing this i'm understanding this yeah that's um, yeah, that, I feel was like like... that was th- those helped people like actually start to consciously think about principles of animation yeah. in brick filming because most people weren't discussing that in brick filming beforehand around like 2016 when i was like actively trying to you know <laughs> start improving with uh, brick films and stuff, um, I remember Fancy Pants being like a big influence. His his videos, which by that point were like, you know, mm-hmm. quite a few years old, but they were still really really useful. I think they still are like really useful. Um, they have some yes, really great advice. Yeah. Definitely would encourage people to check them out. I think there was that one as well that he did, um, and I feel like you know quite a lot of people have done that as well. But his video on masking was also really good for someone starting out. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that one, too. I think that was another thing that was kind of, like, mind-blowing to me was, okay, you can make Lego fly without needing invisible wire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, okay, it is possible. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. at the same time, though, like, oftentimes when those Fancy Pants tutorials come up nowadays, people are kind of, like, a little bit annoyed at them. Not be- Not for any fault of their own, but... You know, it feels like new people, they just think, oh, I've learned the magical term ease in, ease out. Now I'll just apply that <laughs> to everything. And I'll, when, if ever anybody oh, no. asks any question about animation, I'll just tell them, oh, you should try ease in, ease out. No. And we're like, oh, there's there's more to it than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd almost want to encourage more brick filmers to look at animation outside of brick filming and maybe not even outside of brick filming maybe even all the way outside of stop motion like just mm. go back to hand drawn yeah and i mean really study it do you know one of my favorite animators um outside of brick filming is probably alan becker do you know that do you know him? oh gosh that sounds familiar but I, I he does the um animator versus animation films oh sounds familiar is that the stick figure ones or am i thinking yeah yeah and they still do he still does like loads and they get like millions and millions of views but his stuff is actually i I really love his stuff um because um he he actually did a really great series on the 12 principles of animation Mm. um and um yeah i really recommend everybody to check out his stuff and also that as well the 12 principles um if we're name dropping stuff i'm just gonna throw one more thing into the into the ring is uh the the disney documentary frank and ollie which is about uh i think frank thomas and ollie johnson who were two older disney animators and while it doesn't go into any principles of animation i think it's a good supplement to everything we're talking about because it talks a lot about kind of emotion and sincerity in animation I think that's kind of the other side of the coin. We're talking kind of about all these technical things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you have that paired with emotion and like vulnerability and sincerity, you know, going into what you're making, oh, it's like the, the perfect marriage yeah. of things. And you're going to get, you, even if you fail, you're going to have learned something. You're going to have made progress if you that, have those two that, That's a good point, actually. Like, you know, if you have animation, let's say it's a Lego figure, and, you know, the arm moves up, perfectly smooth and it eases at the start and the end and like every motion is ultimately calculated and smooth and and eased it's robotic and boring (laughs) it needs to have emotion and character and fit the scene and what they're actually supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing what's going on yeah yeah i mean i do think there is quite a lot about um like i guess the principles of animation that you kind of do sort of pick up over time even like sort of like 
I guess is it unconsciously is the right word, but like you do it without even sort of thinking about it mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Um, like if you if you just like happen to just like keep watching stuff and you know you see how things are animated, like specific things, whatever, and you just gradually get better at it, you start to naturally kind of just you know um, apply the the twelve principles of animation without even kind of like yeah. necessarily thinking yeah. about it. It was actually really funny because I actually very recently. I was asked to do an online class for some some school kids on and um, stop motion. Well, yeah, stop motion animation. Mm. And um, I wanted to kind of like, I did this like hour long PowerPoint um, where I was just like talking about like my my journey uh, as an animator, and also I did a whole you know part about the twelve principles of animation, and. Um, only really kind of like you know uh studying it and sort of making you know sort of writing the notes to to kind of like you know kind of what what i should be saying you know and all that kind of stuff so i realized that um actually i could probably work on a lot of these principles more <laughs> because i haven't really even thought about it because there'll be certain things like um i think the kind of the practical side of things because i was actually trying to apply a lot of like the stuff that i'd already done to it like i was using them as examples and i actually found that I had to record, you know, some new animation stuff because new material because I there were some of my stuff just wasn't like good examples of it. And um, it was stuff like, you know, the anticipation or that kind of stuff. And I realized that I rely a lot on cheating and kind of like <laughs> cutting <laughs> when it's kind of like, you know, stopping like before, like um, the start of animation, you know, like you'll cut you'll cut to one thing one thing static and then then the next shot will be halfway through an action. And it's not necessarily like bad, but yeah, that's a principle of editing too, which can be useful. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess in a way, as long as you're implying the anticipation was there, you just didn't see it. I guess it's okay. But it is quite interesting that um, I was only kind of like as I was sort of teaching it, did I kind of realize <laughs> actually, yeah, I could probably work on this some more. Yeah, I think I think that's something that every animator, no matter like where they're at myself very myself very much included is just like realizing like i'm still very bad at a lot of things and i have a long way to go if i want to get better <laughs> oh yeah kind of having that I humility mean, yeah. but also that drive to be like oh yeah like I, I got a lot to learn but let's get to it it's gonna be great you know yeah i feel like there's definitely um if you didn't have if you couldn't if you if you if you think that you can't there's nothing to improve then that's just it then you're never going to you've you've reached the point where you're not going to make anything better you know well i i, I don't think I, I highly doubt anybody is consciously thinking i have nothing left to improve the problem is they're just sort of not consciously thinking at all yeah you know it's very easy to just operate on autopilot for years and years oh yes yes very much so mm. i definitely think that um you get you get to this point and I think no matter what's the kind of like what it what you know it is like a skill, um, you get to a certain level where you're actually really good at it, but you yeah. get so kind of like comfortable in that so that you kind of just don't. I I feel I, I feel that with like you know playing music and stuff. It's kind of like this point where you get to this point where you you're actually really good and competent mm, at yeah. it, um, but you've got to really push yourself to get to like even better because you don't realize until you've actually kind of like improved that how much oh, you could yeah. improve you know yeah i think there's a thing in our culture too where 
you know, just get, you get to a level where you're competent at stuff. Like, I feel like I'm competent at After Effects. I do not feel like I'm good at After Effects. I can just kind of pull off stuff with it that I need to pull off for Brick Films. But I, I would not say I'm someone that is good at After Effects. I feel competent in it. And in it, it being that, like, I don't... <laughs> I don't feel like I want to get any better at it unless it would be in service of something like maybe a brick <laughs> film or an animation or something. Yeah, I mean, I think to a certain degree, you know, because life is short. and Yeah, I, <laughs> you can't be good at everything. or you, know, you, you don't want to kind of like, you know, put too much energy on something that isn't isn't going to be like your yeah. ultimate goal. Like it's all, you know, something yeah. that you want to do like, you know, a lot. <laughs> No, you're, you're, you're very much right here. I think After Effects, that's a good example of using something to kind of achieve your artist, artistic vision, but not having to know the ins and outs of it completely. I, I think a, a better example, just going back to animating, like you said, just kind of like becoming complacent in it because it's easier, which is something I've fallen into the trap of very much. Because uh, I think leading up to that's the way it goes. I was very safe in the way I approached animation because my whole fear is just set bumps, <laughs> light flicker, earthquakes you know like <laughs> i'm in florida so it's not gonna happen but <laughs> um like there was things that would like hold me back from really pushing myself with animation and it's just i feel like you gotta go back to that attitude of like i will fail but i will get better because of it and just really like leaning into that and trying and, t- and taking that risk yeah i mean i i do think that in a lot of ways um when you kind of start to kind of think to yourself, like, oh, yeah, I have to, I guess, experiment because, you know, you, you get to that point. And I think this is like the same with anything, like with when you're doing something that's like, you know, creative um, is that basically you get to that point where you're you're known for a certain thing. You know, you've gained some sort of audience and, you know, people really like your stuff or whatever. And you could, you know, easily just, to, you know, be really successful with just continuing as you are. But um you kind of want to, you don't want to go into like, you know, autopilot and you want to kind of like experiment and you're kind of having to kind of, uh, I guess in a way, you know, to take a little bit of a risk, you know, in, in sort of doing something completely different or, you know, just like, yeah. you know, not saying completely different, but, you know, just doing something, you know, yeah you know, done before and stuff. And I think experiment is a good word to use, but I know for me, like another word that kind of comes to mind is more of um, maybe growth where it's not necessarily that you're changing what you're making. It's just you're trying to kind of... It, it, it sounds weird to say, but it's almost like mm-hmm. I'm trying to make... I'm trying to be more of myself, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, going yeah. back to Chihuahua, he was just... It's so much of him in those brick films. <clears throat> and it just, like... It, like, pushing yourself to really put more of yourself into those brick films. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I think it's just like animation what we're talking about with the animation is more of one of the ways to do that yeah I think there is also isn't there like this thing of like you know when you're starting out um, you, you're basically you know you're, you're, you're going off like who you're inspired by and I feel like in a lot of ways there, there is no shame in kind of like sort of um, emulating someone's style I mean, when you're starting out especially because you're you know you're mm-hmm. inspired by somebody you know and I think yeah. as you go along, you start to find your own quirks and your own kind of like style that is uniquely you. And um, it can it takes quite a long time to kind of sort of guess discover that. And 
it's quite hard because you're basically having to sort of balance both originality and also um, making sure that you you're not losing sight of like what inspired you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like uh, balancing inspiration and originality. Yeah, I yeah. That be a good. I guess that would be like the. Yeah, I was just doing the long-winded explanation of what you just said really yeah. clearly. <laughs> I, I love that you brought that up. There's a, um, I have notes here actually from some talk I had watched. I think it was from Blender's YouTube channel about like the good traits of artists or something. I can't remember what the title was. But he talked about like good theft versus bad theft. And you kind of talking about inspiration made me think about it. And I think he, he had like a cool thing uh that he had on the video I, I can't remember the name of the man who did the talk but he was talking about like good theft being like you're honoring that thing you're being inspired by versus bad theft is kind of degrading that original thing mm. um he also has good theft is kind of studying that thing and really like understanding kind of the thing you're being inspired by and then bad theft is kind of just skimming that thing kind of on the surface being like oh i want that i'm going to take it um, and good theft is also, I think with inspiration, it's stealing from multiple sources in the sense that you have one or two inspirations or three or four, you know, and just kind of, um, seeing those ingredients that work and like spark your imagination, um, versus just stealing from like one thing, you know? And, yeah. I guess and the other one is, uh, so sorry, it's a long list. No, no, I... <laughs> I get it. Cause it's, it's a bit like, um, almost, I guess, sort of postmodernism in a, in a way. Um, but it's it's like that. Um, basically, all my best ideas, all my best brick films, are all just really a mishmash of just things that have already exist. <laughs> yeah. um, like I think, um, especially I think it was one like when I was starting doing the podcast, I kind of uh, had a. I think some of my best work has come out since then, um, and I think like stuff like I think it was a Busker's Opus film I did three years ago. That was basically just um, a combination of like several brick films that we had, we had discussed on the podcast, and just kind of like, I wonder if you could just do this story, but and reimagine it in this way, you know, and then mm, yeah. um, cut and run, which is basically a tribute to Namchild, um, <laughs> the, the film that I was I was doing, and it's just kind of like, uh, I wonder if I could, uh, you know, sort of combine several of his films into into one video, but you know, guess do it in my way. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, also with an original yeah. film. Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not just about combining uh, several things that pre-exist. It's also, what what what, ha- what happens when I kind of, like, add all of these, like, things that already exist and then also, you know, completely, you know, sort of mix it up and, and add my own yeah. sort of yeah. thing to it, you know? Like, if I were to go off just two inspirations from childhood for like animation batman the animated series and avatar the last airbender like let's say those are my two inspirations what is that going to look like i mean you could be inspired by both of those in very different ways you know and take elements and kind of like rework it into something original and really study both those works and kind of see how they inspire you um but yeah it's it's one of those things where i feel like it's um Gosh, I don't know. I'm kind of losing my train of thought on this. <laughs> but like, it's a thing where it's not stealing. I, I, what one note I have is that it's remixing. It's not ripping off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But of, of course, in brick filming, you know, a lot of people, they start off by basically ripping off the people they've seen. And, you know, <laughs> I think, of, like, I, I I think if there's one blatant, like, 
I wouldn't call it a ripoff, but like ins- very obvious inspiration from Chihuahua in my filmography is the the brick film I made called Head, which is just this head that pops up out of the ground and just I don't I, I mean I'll, I'll spoil it. it just it's just a head and it bounces away and the guy like seeing it faints. <laughs> and I was like, this is my Chihuahua inspired brick film. This is very much what like his influence has been done to me. That that was like my one kind of. I guess maybe tribute film or love letter. I don't know. I mean, I love that film. I think it's. I think it's great. Thank <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> that kind of stuff. I just. I just find really funny. I guess it's almost in, in a way a bit like the um, what they call it. They do it a lot in The Simpsons. The the screw the audience joke, where you think it's one thing, but well, actually, a great example of that actually is Cookie Calamity, when um, you think that the uh, executioner is just you think the joke is that he's just he's you know he's reformed and he's gonna just let him go and actually the joke is that the, that the car smashes into the wall you know what <laughs> one thing i love about uh that joke is there's a very if you're like and and penta will know which brick film this is i think it's i think it was called moron moronic <laughs> and it ends in the exact same well they're not in an execution chamber but it ends in a similar way where just this car comes smashing through the wall and it's just like okay that happened <laughs> wasn't expecting it um yeah that that was my my yeah my inspiration because there's such a like left tur- like you were already taking all these left turns with the script and then you get to this point where it's like i i guess he's gonna die now i don't know what's going on and it's just like, no, he can't take a break. He's got to get back to work. It doesn't matter if this is illegal. You're coming with me. Um, just l- ending it on that was kind of my... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was my idea of just kind of like being, let's just keep taking all these weird turns and then it'll end here. And, and that'll be it. Actually, um, I guess we could talk a little bit about um, the film. Because I really love... Because um, I think you were talking earlier about like, you know, old... Like, say, like cartoons and stuff being like inspiration, mm-hmm. like Looney Tunes and stuff. And yeah. I mean, obviously, this is definitely like a, uh, a love letter to, you know, Looney Tunes and, and that kind of style, I guess. Um, like, especially like the intro and everything. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I really I think it's, uh, yeah, brilliant. Um, it's, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how obvious it is to people, but the opening shot with Daniel's head is like, like very similar to the Donald Duck shorts where you'd see his face kind of on a bright blue background of a similar design. Um, I, I was very intentional. Like I even kind of looked at it as reference um, because I just loved that, that idea of just like you start a short instead of. In the YouTube age, you know, you're just kind of maybe starting or you have like a short intro or something with words, just going like, bam, right into the music and you have that face on the screen. And it's like, okay, I have my attention. I I was actually something I wanted to ask as well. Um, Was, uh, were you until inspired by Got Milk? The the ad campaign? (laughs) Yeah, because I was just just thinking then of like, um, you know, the whole like... um, like the the original ad, um, where oh man, I don't know if I remember the original one. This is this isn't ringing a bell for me. That's like the the Michael Bay directed um, commercial where the guy is um, eating. See, he's he's got like a peanut butter sandwich, peanut butter or something, and 
um, he's run out of milk, so he can't talk. You know, it's like it's like in the film, and he's trying to answer this um, like question on the radio, but they can't. They don't. They don't understand what he's saying. Oh my gosh! I think I might remember this. <laughs> I can, I can, okay, so if, if that inspiration is there, it's very subconscious, but this is sounding familiar to me. <laughs> when, when I wrote the script, so kind of the funny story about writing Cookie Calamity was, I think it was like a couple months after graduating from film school, I had a friend who was studying film at the time, and I was like, let's just like write really stupid, silly screenplays maybe once a week and send them to each other and like critique them or just see what we think. And like, it can be the dumbest thing. Let's just do it to like flex our creative like muscles and try to grow. <laughs> we did it like one week. I, I don't think she even ended up like writing it for that first week, but the, the script that I wrote was basically maybe like 90% of what you see in cookie calamity. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it did not end with that car coming in. <laughs> to save Daniel <laughs> and it's a lot darker. Um, I think if there was one inspiration that was really co- not conscious, but kind of coming to me from a visual standpoint, it was uh, a Wes Anderson's the grand Budapest hotel, just cause there was a lot of that movie is very visually, you know, beautiful. I don't know, like in remembering it, I don't know if I care much for the story, but I just remember like really liking the visuals. Um, so that was like a, a kind of a big inspiration. So it's kind of weird to say like Cookie Calamity was one of those things where it was just a stupid throwaway script that I wrote like four years ago <laughs> and I never really intended to do anything with it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I mean, uh, Where did you get the mouth animation shapes from? So the mouth animation was one of those things where I was studying kind of what um, sloth paladin i can't remember his full name Mm -hmm. chris 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 boyer chris boyer yeah i was studying what he was doing and what uh i think was forlorn right or am i thinking of somebody else the guy who did the one brick film with the two spacemen fighting each other oh the feud of brick hill was it yes yes that's the one i was studying what they did with their videos and um I was even considering using like uh, Chris's assets that he had given everybody. And then I kind of realized I had like a really expansive library of minifigure heads in my collection, like, like really expansive that I could use. And so one of the motivations to kind of coming back to brick filming for me was just photographing every single minifigure head I had, Uh, like photographing it with a macro lens, raw, bringing it into Photoshop taking the elements apart one by one, layering and organizing everything, um, maybe trying to clean up certain things like whiting the teeth out a little bit more so it's not as yellow, but not, not too white because you want it to still look like it would fit on the minifigure head. So it was just like a long period of time doing that. Um, and then I think kind of going into 2020, I took a bit, a bit of a break and then kind of everything with COVID kind of opened up more time. And I went more into that with trying to get it set up for, for Cookie Calamity. And then bringing that into After Effects, which, uh, yeah, we, we mentioned like uh, being competent in things, not knowing half of what I was doing and just trying <laughs> to make things work in After Effects. Um, kind of going based off, uh, I think, both those examples I mentioned by those brick filmers. 
just kind of having a system that worked. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, though, because um, in looking at those uh, mouth shapes in the film, I was thinking, like, these these look like the actual minifigure art style. But, you know, they some of them have lipstick and... Oh, yeah. There's I... all sorts of different qualities about them. So they, they, yeah, they looked really good. It's going to take so much work, but I want to be able to, like, release the assets for everyone to use. <laughs> but it's it's so messy. <laughs> and I'm kind of afraid that if I don't have some kind of tutorial or guidance on kind of what I did, people won't be able to use it. But that takes a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I keep putting that off. Well, uh, I'd certainly be interested in, uh, in seeing the assets, even if it was just a... Uh... A file dump <laughs> yeah it, it, if anything it will at least be that um because it's like as long as you have photoshop and after effects you can i think even if you just had after effects and you didn't have photoshop i think you could still use the photoshop files in there because there's a lot of like it, it's pulling directly from the psd but yeah it's one of those things where i i think for me i think it was the lego movie and that's kind of a big thing we could get into is kind of like the lego movies influence on like me and a lot of other brick filmers too kind of in pushing like what you can do with lego right mm -hmm. um i, I was re-watching re the lego movie and i think it was like 2018 or 2019 and i was just really blown away by like we're coming back to that concept of like personality and character and sincerity and animation and just kind of um like seeing that on screen and, and realizing yeah that's cgi but it's still lego that's how lego moves you can make lego move like that like why aren't we doing this like and then you start you start to forget about the the obvious answer being because it takes a lot of time <laughs> um but uh, yeah, that was that was a big influence for me was just kind of seeing how the mouths moved in the Lego movie and being like, oh, like it doesn't have to be this smooth mouth that's like 60 frames per second. <laughs> well, that looks way worse on it. <laughs> um, you know, you can't combine something like that with stop motion. It, it, it doesn't gel. Oh, yeah. There's one brick filmer. I think his name's. Yeah, he's helped, he's helped me out on a project or two. Uh, Ray Tastic. And he does. I think he's been doing like eight frames per second seven frames per second he'd do like really low frame rate tests just to see how far he could push himself with like really low frame rate animation and that that's always really impressive to me because if you can like put a lot of personality and movement into something that's a lower frame rate and it looks good like you've done very well as an animator <laughs> and you you possibly saved a lot of time too if you're <laughs> no you don't save time <laughs> if you if you're trying to make it really good you don't save time because <laughs> Every single individual frame matters in low frame rate animation. That's it has true. to be spaced so particularly. It takes forever flipping between them to make sure the next one's correct. I switched from 15 to 12 recently, so <laughs> I guess it's true. Yeah, it does take more time. If you want, to, if you want it to be like, you know, particularly good, it takes more time. That's, I think that's, yeah. that's where people don't understand. That, you know, if other people might think, oh, you know, Low frame rate, that's easy. Like, all you, you just move it, take the picture, you're done. But no, it, it takes more time to make the, the particular movement correct. I feel like, uh, in yeah. the end, the amount of time between, I don't know, I'd say 8 frames a second to, like, 12 frames a second, um, is probably quite similar amount of time it probably takes to animate because, um, you know, the, the less frames 
I guess, like you were kind of saying, the, the less the frames, the more important those individual frames are. Mm. So, you know, you're having to put more attention on, you know, th- this has to be, you know, really, really good. Yeah. You know? And I feel like it could only really ever work in a cartoony sense, I think. You know, where it's like a very, you know, it's like it's, it's not like you couldn't do, like, obviously, you, I mean, kind of goes without saying, but you couldn't really do, like, smooth animation. Um, hmm. I do think that you could probably push it and probably go as as low as probably like six frames per second and probably do something with that. But Damn. I'd actually be interested to see, like, could you go, could you get to like four FPS? <laughs> <laughs> One FPS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the slideshow brick film. This is a real expanding brain moment. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you mentioned like with the, the, mouth animation project how like covid had an effect on it did that have an effect i suppose you came back to brick following before like covid was really a a big thing yeah i came back in like uh late summer of 2019 and then i kind of took a break over christmas and then i think it wasn't really until summer that i dove back in again and was just i mentioned cookie calamity it was one of those things where it was like I have this old, I, I didn't, like, you kind of have that brain block of, I don't have a good story or a good joke, even, like, a good one joke to work with that I feel passionate about. So that script for Cookie Calamity was, like, it's there, it's old, I can dust it off, I can do a couple of revisions, maybe make it a little bit better. It's still very stupid, but I like it enough that I'm going to work with it and just make something with it. And then and from there, kind of just slowly kind of trying to make it into a good brick film and uh, and a lot of elements kind of helped motivate me with that which was the the mouth animation even though it was terrible animating it um like like having that be kind of a motivating factor of this will look good when it's done i I think i hope you know um and just kind of those elements of like I, i was fortunate enough to get really good music from like a music licensing site that i liked and i felt fit with the brick film and that was like another thing that motivated me um, and just like the set design and stuff, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, but it, it was one of those things where like the brick film took a really long time to make because I did most of the principal animation over the summer. And kind of that fall through winter was just kind of this really slow crawl of like working on all those assets for the, the mouth animation and just getting everything organized and then finally getting the, the After Effects file set up that and it was kind of like a reworked after effects file that i had used in wishna because i had a really simplified one for that since it was just like uh i think eyes mouth and i might have used eyebrows i don't remember well because it was the classic smileys they didn't have eyebrows which made it easier but um just like there was a slow period of time where it was just (laughs) getting the after effects file set up and like tracking everything frame by frame uh, with uh, kind of like a 3D cylinder yeah. over the footage, it was it was awful. That does sound really bad because when I was doing my animation, I'd usually like you know animate the shot and then straight away just do the the mouth for the shot that had just been animated. So, you know, each shot was was created individually uh, as as one one thing. Like you know, you animate the shot and it's like, well, the shot's not done yet. We got to do the mouth for that shot. Ooh. So. I feel like it would have been really grueling if I did all the animation in one go and then all of the, the mouth's animation in one go afterwards. That, 
That sounds yeah, super tedious. It, it, well, it was not something I enjoyed. It, it was a good opportunity to like just listen to a lot of podcasts. Because like I listened to <laughs> like going back to this podcast, I listened to a lot of this and Frame One Hundred because it was just like okay, brick filmers motivating me. I hear them like it helps. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think the biggest difficulty too with After Effects that I faced was. I think it was stuff with frame rates and previews. And uh, like I said, I'm only very like competent, I guess you could say in After Effects. So there would be weird problems that I'd face that I couldn't find the solution to where like you'd have everything tracked up, like you'd manually track those frames and make sure everything's um, lined up for the mouth animations. Cause there's a lot of frames where they're like talking and they're moving, you know, it's like you could do the easy thing of just having them stand still and talk, but it just doesn't look as good. Yeah. It doesn't look as good. Yeah. Um, but like the, the, the tracking would get off and I'd be like, okay, I try to maybe slide it back around. What's going on? Is the frame rate off? Uh, I, ha I had a really bad moment in like the, towards the very end of making this where I realized that, I think it was uh, three or four shots were exported at frame rates that were like 14.37 frames per second. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> and that just kind of like screwed with so much stuff on, in, that, in that file. Um, and it was just like a couple weeks of just constantly trying to get everything working and being like, okay, if I can just export this properly and have all the, cause you'd have like the mouth animation would be off by one frame and you get these really wonky looking like floating lips coming off the mouth of the minifigure. Um, it, it, it was just kind of awful. So that, I kind of joke <laughs> and, um, it's kind of I kind of joke like the worst thing you can do in a brick film is have them talk and use mouth animation because if 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 I had somehow made told this story without dialogue, I would have made it in like one tenth the time probably. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that ties back into kind of the topic of sin sincerity of the animation and kind of like. Uh, being able to really use emotion and personality and communicating through the movements of those minifigures or, or non-minifigures if it's something brick-built because then it's like, oh, I don't need words. I mean, yeah, it helps for certain things, but like I'm communicating something that doesn't require so much effort and time <laughs> outside yeah. of the you know animation aspect of it being difficult. I was just reminded yeah. of... Um... Mr. Sir and the unexpected encounter that had a, a brick built character, his mouth moved with brick movements. That's really funny. Oh, yeah, that was, I think it was my first Thack. That was, uh, that was a long time ago. I, I remember making that and being very disappointed because, like, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't aware really, like, how one builds brick built characters that stay put together. <laughs> so, as like a figure, he'd constantly fall apart because I just wasn't using the right joints like the right kind of uh, reinforcements to keep them together but yeah like, i think there's something there with like <laughs> like you want to put in the effort and you want to be able to fail and like try your hardest but i think after cookie calamity i just realized like i i, I want to be able to make good things but do i have to do it with dialogue <laughs> <laughs> but of course you know when you're animating and you know that you're gonna do digital mouse later you know you can get away with having the figures move less and occasionally just stay still for a while. But 
while you're animating it, it feels so bad. You know, you, you take a few frames where they're not moving. You're like, oh, they have to move again. There's guilt. Yeah. There's yeah. so much guilt that keeps me from doing that. I'm like, I can't, I can't. It's just going to look bad. I can't. And then, But then w- once you get the digital mouth on them and it takes ages to track it because you had to move so much because you felt bad about it, <laughs> then you're looking at it like, eh, I could have gotten away with having to move a bit less. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say, as somebody that's, like, always done, like, mouth animation, um, making a dialogue-free, like, sack or ball entry, um, it definitely has a lot of benefits, because <laughs> you kind of just, like, oh, God, when I was doing um, Loop TV, the, my ball entry last year, um, I was, like, I spent a long time on animation, um, because I just had, like, no concepts for, like, the first, like, 24 hours. I was, like, really lost. And then I kind of, like, kind of, mm-hmm. I, like you know, the very the very end of that first day, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I've got a great idea. And I kind of started writing things down. So I was already a bit behind then. And I, you know, I spent, like, a day doing, uh, you know, like, set building or whatever. And, you know, I spent quite a lot of time in that kind of, the, in the process of doing that. So when it came to, like, you know, the post-production, the editing side of things, I only really had, like, the last, like, day and a half. And I was starting to do the mouth animation. I was like, oh, I just, I, uh, I, I, I don't want to, because usually, like in a, if I'm doing a brick film over like you know several months or even years, like it is for some of my stuff, it's like um, I'll do the mouth animation over time, but like when I'm doing like a brawl, I'm having to just do like all the animation at once, mm-hmm. and I really just didn't feel like I wanted to. <laughs> After a week of animating, I didn't want to just like. You know, then do all the mouth animations. Like, nah, you know, you know what? There's not going to be any mouth animation in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and also, I think I picked like the worst mouth to try and animate. But um, as I, you know, after I uploading it, I was like, oh, it's a shame I wasn't able to do that. And then no one, like, no one commented on it on on the fact that it had no mouth animation. So like, no one noticed. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel like. As spoiled as we are as viewers these days, with like the insane amount of like stuff that's being animated and made, it's it's nice to know that stuff like that is just like okay, there's no math animation. That's fine. I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. You know, like yeah, <laughs> gives me hope. Yeah, but I am always impressed by brawl entries that have math animation because I know I'd never do that. <laughs> oh gosh, no, no. I mean, um, actually, math animation, um. I feel like it's something that I, I'm trying. I'm, I'm gonna. One of the big next sort of big things that I'm gonna try and like work on is just having a mouth animation style that's much more interesting than what I currently do because um, hmm. I've been doing the same like style for like the last like five years and I feel like it's time to kind of move on. And hmm. um, I actually, I mean, like hearing your what you do is sounds really interesting. Um, so I'm just sort of thinking. I'm looking at different people's like anim- like mouth animation and just sort of thinking, what style do I really like? What style would I be kind of willing to do? Um, I really like what Chris does in on Real Life TV um, with the. I think now now he actually like erases the the mouths um, and you know like composites the the mouths on the obviously afterwards. Mm. Um, so. I'd, I mean, I'd be quite interested in doing that, but I feel like I'd want to do a lot of tests before doing that, before like committing yeah. to it, because I don't know if I'd what if I felt like you know like halfway through animating, they have no mouths and I'm like oh yeah, 
crap, I've got to actually add all this now, but I don't want to do it, you know? <laughs> so does he, so uh, I'm not super familiar with the example you shared, but does he like have a head for when the mouth is closed and he's erasing the mouth or he's like literally er- erasing the mouth and then putting the digital mouth on later? I'm not sure doing? if he might, I think he does occasionally have like, uh, I think he will have like the heads that's, you know, with the mouth. But, um, yeah, throughout, like, the rest of the dialogue, I think he just has, like, a copy of the, you know, another copy of the head, but it's just, you know, I might be, I might be wrong. I think either he, he does, like, have, like, two copies or he has, like... Well, that's what I did, yeah. I had two yeah. two copies of each head. One had the mouth taken off and one had the, the smile still on. Oh, and you yeah. can go the route of, like, um, and it's a bit costly and it doesn't necessarily work very well. Um, the, uh, you know, like, print, different prints... Um, oh, like that's like I think you did that in Atlas, right? Because I, I think that was printed with the with the kind of the mouth animation and the expressions. Yeah, and it's it, it often ends up looking jittery, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It can kind of match yeah. the style. But I, I want I watched that one the other day. I kind of didn't mind it for what it was, but it wasn't like. It didn't jump out to me as something I really would want, I guess. I like the idea of doing it physically, all right. For I, I have kind of thought in the past of like, what if you tried doing something like Robot Chicken, where you literally just like do it with paper? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, like paper mouth. <laughs> Robot Chicken have done brick films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's definitely an approach that like, if it's something you enjoy and it fits with that style that you're going for, I'd say like, try it. And see what see what you think. The thing is, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, um, if I'm trying to do something that's more serious, it's like you don't want to have like a robot chicken style. <laughs> oh, no, no, it, it, yeah, I don't think that's that style would work for serious. But of course, one of the problems with doing that for Lego is that the mouths on the minifigures' heads are absolutely tiny. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did look pretty funny. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely some interesting like different ways to attempt it and it makes me wonder if there's like a method that nobody has really tried yet that everyone just hasn't thought of i'm not sure what that would be but i wonder if it exists yeah i think just sort of thinking of like you know how they would do it in you know something like lyco or something obviously they would just have like they have like these um replaceable mouth sections don't they they just like add it on but um, this is like this is literally no way you could do that with brick films i guess <laughs> not really yeah. and yeah, yeah i feel like i know that if if i was doing a bunch of head replacements i'd get super hung up on like <laughs> between each frame replacing the head i'd want to make sure that it's you know oriented facing exactly the same way and the hair has to face like mm, go yeah. from frame to frame be exactly the same that would that would take way too long i think that's why I like the concept of like movement through talking because oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, okay, it has to be a little everything. different this time. You can I'm not a big change. fan of like the idea of having to of not being able to edit it in post because I think I feel like it's like the mouth animation is something that you want to focus on solely rather than I don't think you want to be having to do all of that extra work whilst also making sure that it's well animated at the same time. <laughs> it seems like a lot yeah. of stuff you have to do a lot of multitasking. Well, what I do would be like make a a file where you have all the mouth frames like lined up um you know maybe you could make a video with, with just the mouth moving and you'd know which shape has to come in the next frame uh 
so that you wouldn't have to think about it. You just check your reference file and, and see what's next. But yeah, but that, that's theoretical though. I, I'd rather not do that. <laughs> I'd, I'd still go to the, back to the point of just literally, literally encouraging people if you don't need dialogue, just don't do it. <laughs> if you can avoid it, I'd really encourage people just to kind of skip around it. Maybe like take your script and see, can I tell this without words? Or can I like use half as many words as I'm going to use and get the point across in the same way where it's just as funny or just as potent or moving or whatever and, and do that? Um, that actually reminds me, because uh, you said you, you, you went to film school, right? Yes, because uh, I went to film school as well. Like, were you ever pressured to like, like when you're when you've got like your your you know your group project and stuff, like to like have as like little dialogue as possible? Because um, that was something that that was like a running theme for like with us, like when it, with our films, it was always like. I know some people would really be into the show, don't tell, and it's yeah. like I mean, no, you can have great dialogue. I mean, but just like. I don't. I can't recall super, being super pressured in group projects to not have dialogue. Um, I do know the, there there was one writing class where I think they talked more about the show don't tell thing. Um, but yeah, I can't. I can't say I was super pressured. In animation, I mean, I've I've always just kind of felt this uh, just in general. But like, uh, um, after going into film school, you know, three years of it and uh, doing like live action work and that kind of stuff. Um, when it comes to stuff like actually, you know, making stuff, um, at least, you know, outside of the actual just editing, uh, I much prefer just like, I don't know, being able to animate and just like the, the lack of like limitations and the kind of, um, inconveniences of like real life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, I just, I don't know. I feel like there is this sort of side of, of going into live action uh, especially if you come from a background of doing stop motion where or just animation in general where there is no real limit like you know you create your kind of like creativity is the limit kind of in a lot of ways mm. you're going into a world where you're having to you know like everything is real everything's physical you, you can't like yeah and there's all these kind of i don't know like the the legal side of things or the do you know the paperwork or the stuff and it's just like i don't know i mean oh it's overwhelming yeah it's horrifying i think i think because we're so used to like okay this is my project i'm working on it in this dark room with this computer and this setup and maybe the only outside help i'm getting is other voice actors and um some feedback from friends and, and maybe some visual effects help from somebody you know um so we're so used to that controlled environment and you have to have a controlled environment to do a brick film properly it's very it's near impossible to do stuff outside it's not impossible i know there are brick filmers who've done that sort of stuff and pulled it off but like and that like you're saying that flip side of live action is just you realize oh i am just a tiny cog in the machine to make this thing come together i can't do everything even as director if you're putting on multiple hats you still have to let go of a lot of control and realize there's a lot of stuff you can't change and you got to rely on other people to do it Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think um, definitely something that I felt going into film. I feel like looking at it reflectively, you know, at the, like the three years of, of my experience, I kind of feel like if I went into it with a specific idea in mind of oh yeah, I want to be a cinematographer, I want to be an editor, whatever, whatever it was, uh, other than just kind of like I want to try things, you know, 
it probably would have been a very different experience because mm. I kind of went I kind of went into it kind of like naively thinking oh yeah I just want to kind of play around and just see what I like you know and yeah because I feel like you know as a brick filmer I've I've had some experience on like each thing but it's really I, I didn't know like enough of one specific thing to really be kind of like confident in it especially when it comes to translating it into live action and um yeah, I spent like three years kind of thinking to myself, like, what's, uh, I don't know, where am I going with this? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of different aspects to it, too, that you kind of have to, like, decide on. And it can yeah, be only recently did I kind of, like, come to the conclusion that um, cinematography is not my thing. Um, mm. And, um, like, I'm, I'm now kind of, like, trying to go into, like, editing as a, as a career, because that's the only kind of side of it that's that I feel like I can translate all the stuff that I've learned from brick filming. Really, mm. it kind of like, you can kind of translate it pretty much entirely, you know, whatever the project is. And I feel like, yeah, in that, if, it, if I look at it that way, I kind of, uh, you know, I guess that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, editing is that thing where it's like I respect, because I do video editing kind of on the side. Um, but it's one of those things where I really respect people who can do it well, because I feel like it's that it's one of those. And there are many elements in filmmaking, I think that kind of have the same quality, but editing has that special quality where I'd say the majority of the time, the less the viewer consciously notices about the editing, the better the editor has done his job. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's like one of my favorites, like, sort of sayings <laughs> when it comes to editing it's like it's 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 uh you know a great editing is what you don't see um and uh i, I guess a similar you know in a similar way to like sound design as well it's like it's you know that's stuff oh, yeah. that you don't necessarily hear but you know it's just so essential um i mean that's what i love about like i don't know doing stuff like the podcast and stuff it's like the the comparison of like the you know the raw files to the edited thing it's just like so different um and i think people probably get this might get this false idea that we're just really like um we never stall and we're always just kind of like you know we're just like really good at improvising and really it's just uh no it's a lot of editing is involved (laughs) (laughs) it's true yeah it's great though because it's you need that flow if you don't got that flow it's just not as good And, and i think i've i think i've heard a couple podcasts where you have like it's very apparent they didn't sit through this to edit it. Mm. You just kind of hear those those uh those really like long pauses, and you're wondering what did the video did it stop? What what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I've got that fast. But actually, I want to mention about um you're talking about dialogue because I think this particularly pertains to brick filming. It's not that dialogue is in any way bad in and of itself. But no, yeah, yeah. I should I should mention that as well. I don't think it's like an evil yeah. film. It's just that it's very easy to fall into the trap of just having dialogue and then ignoring filmmaking because everything is just done through dialogue. And you know, especially yes. people doing brick films, like younger people or whatever. Yeah. Like you can often just have films that are very they're not very engaging because there's no visual storytelling going on to complement the dialogue. It's just all being, mm-hmm. all people standing around talking. It's very easy for that to become boring. There is yes. a lot, um, you know, it really is very dependent on, you know, what film you're trying to make. And obviously, 
um, some of the best scenes, you know, there, there are some things in like in, in in cinema and just films in general, like some some of the best things ever, like best, best things ever made, maybe just like you know, just long dialogue scenes, whatever. But yeah. I, I do I know think Quentin Tarantino's the big one. All the film yeah. students were always like. Oh, but I do so think good. that um, when you're when you are like if you know whatever you're making, like if you are making something that's got a lot of dialogue or doesn't have a lot of dialogue, whatever, I feel like something that you've always got to keep in mind when you're you know, in the script writing process is how much can I convey visually? How can I enhance this dialogue or mm-hmm. how much can I enhance the story yeah. with the visuals, the way I'm going to kind of like, you know, the way that either me or the cinematographer is going to, you know, kind of like orchestrate it, you know? Yeah, but um, of course, and... you know, like pe- people, yeah, people might look at somebody like Quentin Tarantino and think, oh, well, Tarantino can just have long dialogue scenes and people like them. Then why can't I? But, you know... <laughs> Tarantino, he always works with a really good cinematographer and, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things going into keeping it engaging visually. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think that's why I, 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 like, encourage people again to kind of go back to their scripts and be like, like, how much can I take out and this still works? And then maybe that can influence, too, how much you're going to put back into it or how you're going to... I think, again, we were talking about editing earlier. It's just that encouragement of, like, really like ripping apart the thing you made because i feel like the more pre-planning you do before shooting or animating um or just even recording dialogue right like the better your thing can be and and i get sometimes you don't have that much time or you're just like i'm gonna lose interest if i don't push ahead to this next stage of development um but like if you if you can really like it, it, it's that thing of like letting go and not being afraid to fail and not being afraid to like tear apart the thing you just made and like rebuild it into something else. Um, it, it's like if, if you can have kind of push through that, like, oh, you, you, you'll be surprised what you can come up with. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, like one of the things, one of the underrated things, I guess, um, when it comes to like um, brick films and something that people may not necessarily think too much about. Uh, is um, obviously what makes great dialogue, uh, what makes you know, it land is great acting. <laughs> and I think um, maybe there needs mm-hmm. to be more of a push to for like brick filmers to be kind of directors in a way when it comes to voice acting. Yeah, that's a huge challenge in itself. It is, though, yeah. Because <laughs> how do you voice add, voice direct over a Discord DM? It's kind of, it can be a bit yeah, of a challenge. I mean, something that um like you know a good couple of years ago now i was doing some voice acting and it's funny the amount of people that get that ask me to voice act it must just be because i'm british because i'm not a good voice actor i don't get it like <laughs> i'm not i don't have a dynamic range i just i just do this voice and like that's about it but <laughs> but anyway um i was asked to do this um to sort of join this voice call like years ago where basically there were like uh, the two of us and well, there's like three of us and you had like you know the, the guy that was was like the you know sort of directing us and we were mm. actually going through we were reading the lines out together and I've ever since I've been really in, I've, I've always really liked the idea of like doing a voice call mm. and just like bringing the voice actors together is actually something that I'm hoping to do um, for my next um, Man film is to mm. actually to get voice actors together and and get them to kind of like you know act out i mean obviously it, it really does depend on whether the you know your voice actors are happy to do that because course, yeah. yeah i could i could totally understand not wanting yeah. to do that because but... they're already like volunteering their talents for free which is already like an amazing gift in itself like oh my gosh 
Jay Silver. Oh god, yeah. I I I got I got a gush about him for a second just because he's so he's his. I'm so thankful for for him being able to be in uh, Cookie Calamity, and, and I think he did. He was in That's the Way It Goes. Yeah, yeah like that was just oh. So like like pe- when people can like donate their talents in that way, it's just. <laughs> Wasn't he the smiling guy? And that's the way it goes. Yes. Yeah, and the, the the line delivery there is so <laughs> funny. It's absolutely it, it makes the joke land <laughs> so well. I it's I just so good. I just like I'm so I'll be forever grateful for Jay Silver for like voice acting in like nearly all of my <laughs> like older films and the amount that he elevated so so much of of it like i was um we watching you know i think it's like uh the other day some of my like early outman films and they feel quite what like they're showing their age a little bit um <laughs> but um jay silver like his voice acting it just makes it that much better he's just so oh god it's his his performance is just like so good mm-hmm. i mean yeah. another great another great one is um like mind game like oh yeah that's true. yeah there are some <laughs> people who they just i, I guess they have a better handle on like you know where to put the emphasis on words or whatever but yeah it is kind of strange how it's not more common for people to get in calls to sort of direct voice actors because like i've heard about it you know any of very occasionally happening in riffling but it seems so obvious in hindsight you know like previously Mm. you'd send off a script and you just kind of be thinking well i i hope it comes back sounding okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah sometimes you get uh things you weren't expecting and i feel like it kind of helps like uh when i sent harrison allen the script so harrison allen annoying noises productions just in Mm. case nobody knows but uh, when i sent him the script for the executioner i didn't say anything about like an accent and he kind of came back with uh i guess a bit of a british accent i don't know it may be completely inaccurate so correct me if i'm wrong and i was like more thinking okay just stick to an american accent for this because i my, my mindset was just like oh they're all in america so i guess they'd all be american whatever and, and he comes back with his accent and i'm like i'm not sure if this works but he was like really insistent like he's like no i think this works for this character because i had even shown him the minifigure and everything he's like it would be perfect I was like, okay. I even played around with the sound file a bit to try to bring the voice, make it sound more muffled, kind of behind a, behind a hood. And it, it worked really well in the end. I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> so sometimes you get happy accidents with not giving that direction, but those aren't as common as not getting what you want. I do think, I mean, I, I do like the idea of, you know, getting voice actors to bounce off each other and kind of like you know react in real time to like you know the way that they inflected and you know whatever like that kind of um something that's really missing in brick filming i think that's you know something that you could translate from live action (laughs) to brick filming i think yeah it's certainly it's a it's Mm. certainly worth considering it's worth keeping in mind as a possibility you know getting people on a call and actually talking with them it is quite complicated when it's like a big big cast you don't, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't um, think you'd but... have to get everyone together all at once. Twenty people, yeah. one. Room. But another thing, but... you know, you, brick filmers are often quite averse to spending money, and this, I mean, <laughs> I've well, I've, I've paid for some voiceovers for videos, but like long voiceovers, but I've never actually paid for voice acting. But I think that you know that's another mm. thing people should actually keep in mind to be like going to Fiverr and actually paying for like really yeah. high quality voice actors. 
I know Rio Force. I think he did that with uh, his his Ninjago. I think it was Ninjago Gardens animation. He got like I think what a Japanese. I, I think it was like a Japanese voice actress, and maybe there was a Japanese voice actor too. But he paid them to like perform in Japanese, and it was just like, mm. oh, that's kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah, <laughs> it, it can yeah, it can really really make a film better. But of course, if you have really good voice acting, the animation of the characters has to match. <laughs> <laughs> you can't That's be lazy the thing, isn't it? Yeah. if the voice acting's good like, you, you absolutely oh, cannot be lazy or else it ruins the whole film <laughs> I, need to, I need Jay to carry this animation for me because I'm just not feeling it today I mean there's nothing more like that is heartening than like you know you get like a great performance by Jay Silver but the animation is just a picture <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it doesn't work at all <laughs> oh man yeah it happens you know I'm thinking perhaps we should um, move to the Brick Film Showcase. Oh, yeah, I, know. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long yeah, since we've done a showcase. Yeah. I think yeah, there's a lot of yeah. stuff we talked about, too, that we can hit on kind of again with those picks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. So, for those of you new to the podcast, the showcase is an opportunity for each of us to talk about Brick Films that either mean a lot to us or that we just want to talk about in general. So, my entry is uh, Lego Sheep by... Um, Maxime Mayon, and um, I was just going through, because um, as is caught off in the case with the uh, showcase, um, you get to like the last hour before we start recording the podcast, and, and we're like, we still haven't picked our entries yet, um, and um, <laughs> I was just like, what should I, what, what should I talk about here that I haven't talked about before? And I was actually really surprised that I hadn't actually talked about uh, Sheep, because I feel like this is like one of my favorite brick films from like the last like few years, and I really could have but just sworn I that we talked about this one. But yeah, um, I just really love um, love this film. Um, it's uh, I mean I don't know if you're either of you are familiar. Well, I guess you are. Like I've shown the sheep, <laughs> yeah, um, by Armand, yeah. and it it kind of um, you know it does make me think of that quite a lot. Um, but I just really love like the animation. I love the designs of the sheep. I think they're really cute, and um, I actually really like the like the music and everything, the way that it goes with everything. And um, I and I think as as well as like Maxime Ion as well, like with other stuff he's done, like the the Henry and Edmonds uh, films, like you know, copyright. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's got some of the the best like production values of like any brick filmer. Like everything is just like so professionally done like everything's just so sort of top notch um and yeah just a, a really a really nice uh sweet film i uh i really enjoy yeah the colors in it are gorgeous mm-hmm. too i i there's one of the shots when he's like he's walking somewhere but you just see in the sky it's like at sunset and you can just tell like the back of that set is like lit up in a way that really like it adds this depth to that world that is very hard to achieve for most brick filmers, myself included. Where it's just you can you can sense the horizon off in the distance, mm. and it just really opens that world up in a way that's it's yeah like like I said it's hard it's hard to do. It that. is hard to do that. Yeah, I mean most of us are using like flat paper or something as the sky, but you know in, in shooting outdoor scenes now, I feel to, I'm thinking to myself like I want the sky to be luminous. <laughs> You know, it, <laughs> yeah, it should have its, its own light to it, but it's yeah, it's very hard if it's just 
paper or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes people are limited by their space. Sometimes also. people will make the sky with a really powerful light and a gel, which looks great. Mm. Pointed at a wall or something. But, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, you can continue talking about the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think just to bounce off what William said, kind of, I, I love kind of going back to the topic of kind of like sincerity in animation. There's like a lot. You, you can sense kind of the soul of the animator in this brick film. Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of him or them. I don't know if this was multiple people who animated and worked on it. Okay, yeah, cause I think it was characters and set design were by Klo K L O O U. I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't want to butcher it. And then uh, Maxime Marion directed and animated it. So I, I think in this way, if there's a separate person doing characters and set design, you know, and someone else is animating it, I guess you're kind of in a sense seeing both those people kind of come out in that in that uh, product, which is which is nice to think about. Um, but yeah, it's just there's something there with uh, going back to what we were saying, kind of that you can probably like skim through this and just see and pick out like we're talking principles of animation. Uh, I can't think of any specifically just kind of going through it right now, like kind of seeing in the way they move, like maybe finding things there. But then again, kind of that, like I said, paired with the uh, kind of like the sincerity. It's just, oh, it's really nice. Of course, we have to mention the the great use of the printed eyes <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> conveying the uh, expressions and emotions visually and just the fact it's not many yeah figures. that's true too you anything, couldn't do that with a minifigure brick built is like oh i mean it's it's i don't know if i'd say it's i mean maybe it's more of a risk yeah i guess i'd say it's more of a risk to do that because you may you may fail in the sense that it's not as connecting to people like but you also like if you succeed with it like in the case of this film, it just, oh, it goes so much farther than, uh, like, like it wouldn't work with minifigures for, for obvious reasons. <laughs> so I mean, like a sheep costume minifigure. I do I think know. that, um, there is something quite unique about, like, anything that's, like, non uh, minifigure based is, um, there's so much more, um, you can do so much, there's so much more, like, you can do, like, so many more, like, possibilities creatively because you take it for granted but like we're quite um uh spoiled as brick filmers in the fact that we get to have all of these like pre-made um <laughs> yeah. designs Costumes. pre-made figures and everything yeah like yeah. <laughs> everything is just like that's that's a kind of luxury that no other like stop motion animator gets so with anything that's not an, a brick minifigure based you're actually giving yourself more you know uh, you're giving yourself more work, but you're also giving yourself more like opportunities to just really, you know, experiment and do something completely new, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I just really love the sheep design; it's uh, really cool. I, I think, yeah, I just, I just, I just, yeah, I guess we, I really like. But of course, it, it also still has that recognizable Legoiness to it, you know. By not just being a, a pre-made mold, the fact that it's made of a bunch of, you know, more yeah. basic blocks the, that can there... move around. There is a minifigure in this too. I guess we should mention, like the the man on this the TV screen oh, yeah. is in it. <laughs> I guess that counts. I don't know. I'd still call it a, a non minifigure <laughs> film, though. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, the the main focus of it is, you know, um, non minifigure. So I'd say, yeah, say it counts. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's a good one to study. I guess this may be paired with, uh, Paganimation. He's done a couple. 
with like just those huge like oh, little guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those two. I was. I wasn't even thinking mm. of those. I was thinking of the ones he did where he had like the, the. the uh, Pagano puppets. It's almost like the. Uh, yeah. 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 Country building. Yeah. Really good one. Oh man. Oh, country. I love country building. And um, I mean, one of my all-time favorite brick films, possibly my favorite brick film, is Robota, mm-hmm. which uh, is this like absolutely insanely massive scale, um, you know, brick film. Um, that's you know they're all robots and you know completely new designs. Um, and well, I mean we have talked about it in the showcase. God, going back to like three years ago now. But um, <laughs> showcase yeah, no, recap. <laughs> it's always a good <laughs> yeah, time previously. to talk about Roboto. <laughs> yeah, no, there's never a bad time to talk about Roboto. Yeah. It's a fantastic film. Yeah, I think Roboto it genuinely is possibly the best curriculum ever made. Mm. It's been years since I've seen it. I need to go back and rewatch it. I'd say that uh, Robota is uh, yeah easily the most the best book film ever made, uh, uh, along with um, pretty much everything by Maxime. Yes, that's true. And Maxime <laughs> has been posting you know updates about um, Henri and Edmund Four, so obviously that's very exciting. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. I loved. I loved. Like, like for him as a brick filmer, I think he's one of those people that like he's able to. Like, again, talking about the whole sincerity and emotion and all that, like, actually, like, stir something inside you as a viewer, which is, like, it's hard to do with Lego. <laughs> so that's always very impressive. Yeah. I've always especially been impressed by copyright. Like, I feel like he has the exact right yeah, balance that... between it being goofy and fun and Lego-y, but yeah. also he can hit some sincere emotion. Because uh, there's that scene where they talk on they're like looking at the sunset and they're like sitting on top of the, the car i think it was and, and it, was, it was just like wow you're you're doing things i didn't think you could yeah. do i mean that's actually film. a perfect uh, a great example of, of great dialogue in brick films so. yeah and also um i mean i guess if you want to get good at uh, dialogue as a brick filmer um that's a great uh, kind of uh, you know scene to analyze um because you know you get that great um not only is the dialogue, you know, brilliant, but also the so you know, you can see how much is elevated through, uh, I guess, the performances, but also the you know cinematography as well. Mm-hmm. It's a great, uh, great sort of uh, scene to study. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, Penta. I guess he goes to your pick. Okay, so I decided to pick a film called The Great Invention by Crazy Ed. And, uh, you know, sometimes people come along in brick filming and they it seems like they don't make a lot of like sort of major long term giant projects, but they release a lot of tests or unfinished films like what this is uh, or just, you know, very short works. But everything they make is like so unique and inventive and idiosyncratic that like every single scrap that they release is worth checking out. And that's totally the case with this, which is, it's called an unfinished film, but it, to me, it feels more complete and better than a lot of finished brick films. <laughs> uh, and it's just a film with this fantastic visual style and set design and animation and everything. And of course, oh, another thing about Crazy Ed is he was the type of brick filmer to always be extremely hard on his own work always just say oh this is terrible oh this sucks <laughs> i gave up on this because it sucked basically but and oh, and the description of this says that he was totally unhappy with the look of the film overall which i just find remarkable because i think it looks great and i think that it 
it really uses yeah. the widescreen aspect ratio really well with the set design. It's such a mm. yeah, it's such a vibe too. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a very specific feel yeah. that you get from watching it. It's just I, from what I was happy you chose this because like I hadn't watched anything from him in years, <laughs> and like because I mean he hasn't made stuff yeah. in a really long time. But, like, I remember at the time, he was that guy that was, like, doing 24 frames per second, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. And that just blows my mind because that uh, the thought of animating at that frame rate just sounds insane. But maybe it's not as hard as you'd think. Well, now. I was just about to say, uh, he was doing 24 frames per second well. <laughs> you know, very, yeah, very yeah. few people actually <laughs> do 24 well, if they're using 24. Yeah, I was... I was actually going to say, because um, it's something that kind of crossed my mind, was that um, this is an example of smooth animation that is actually fantastic, <laughs> you know, that's actually brilliant. Um, because sometimes, you know, that is a phrase that is tossed around a little, you know, oh, yeah. a little too much, and it's like smooth. But um, this is actually, like, brilliant smooth animation. Um <laughs> I and feel it's like we're uh, contradicting ourselves a lot in this episode, which is great because it's kind of like going from like, okay, smooth animation isn't the goal, but well, the, the uh, thing is, this it's is possible this dialogue you don't always need, but it's possible to have smooth animation that's bad, and it's possible to have smooth animation that's yeah. good. You know, this is good animation yeah. that just so happens to also be smooth. <laughs> that's the thing. It's that's like just its style. You know, it's not just yeah. about the. It's not just about like the, the you know the style that you're doing. It's the it's the uh, results of that style, <laughs> and uh, it's definitely uh, an example of uh, of great animation that happens to be smooth. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, but no, yeah. I mean, this is uh, actually a, a really great mm-hmm. film. Um, doesn't seem to be unfinished at all, to, in you know, in my eyes. And what I really love about it is it has this great like color palette where it's like, you know, there's only like a couple of like things within each shot that are actually in color. And I don't know if whether he did that, you know, physically, um, you know, with with the like, you know, Lego, or whether he did mm. that in post. But um, it's a really cool style um, that really gets like the the main things to really pop out. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a really cool film, and the aesthetic, just the whole thing. Just... And actually, something uh, that's quite interesting. Um, the top comment on here is actually uh, you, Walter. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> it's funny. It's like six years ago, I think. Yeah, six <laughs> years ago. Yeah, I didn't notice that until after I'd already picked it. I thought that was funny, all right. But yeah, as you said, this, this film has funny. a really its own vibe to it. It's. I feel like it's very unusual. You know, it's it, it in the way the characters move and the way everything looks and just sort of how it shoots the set. It feels like it's excited to show everything that it shows. Yeah. I think there's a lot of elements too, just like set design, composition, lighting, just kind of moving across the screen too. Um, that just like all kind of interplay in a way that's really beautiful. Um, I, I love the shot where, <laughs> I, I think it's like where they kind of like descend the staircase. Yeah. That's such a standout, yeah. Just the way he moves is so funny. The way it uses the the width of the screen and and the the way the two characters move differently to each other, which we always like to see. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. 
<laughs> it can get so boring when everyone's just walking with the same walk yeah. cycle. But, but I fall victim to that so much. <laughs> I do that way too much. Like I want to, I want to change that up at some point. But yeah, I I totally think that it's it's still uh, unusual and worth a look for people. It's, it's kind of weird mm-hmm. to be talking yeah. about and something he... from twenty fourteen as if it's old. It feels weird to me now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's one brick film or two who never really blew up in the way he deserved to. Like, like I think the most views he has on his channel is like twenty three k. Okay, eighty four k on the bird. The bird's really good as well. Everyone should check out. Yeah, but like there's that thing where I feel like he kind of like like I'm sad that there wasn't more recognition yeah. for him. But yeah, as I was saying, like he was the type of brick filmer who just kind of throughout scraps but everything was so good <laughs> gourmet scraps yeah. and yeah I, I certainly love to see him return to brick filming yeah maybe he's listening to this i don't know come back <laughs> we want you i mean you know you came back so anything's possible <laughs> it, it, it is yes <laughs> we, who knows you may return but uh yeah i guess Go over to to your pick, which uh, I know that uh, Penta is uh, quite a fan of. Yeah, this was one that I think I had seen years ago. So this one wasn't as influential earlier on for me, but I think I saw it later on and I forgot about it. And I think I saw it again and I forgot about it because it's such a good brick film. It just kind of would like for some reason, like it wouldn't stick in my memory. And I, and I rewatched it earlier this year. Some people have brought it up and we, we rewatched it and I was like, dang, this is so good. <laughs> oh, by the way, this, this... is um major malfunction. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 We should, we should say what it is. Major malfunction by Mr. Mullock. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But, uh, it's great short. The use of, I know some people have maybe different opinions on using like copyrighted music in brick films, but like I feel like this is one of those examples where using like a Billy it's, it's Joel so song <laughs> just fits so well for what the short is and what's being told. Um, and like there's just so much personality in the way the characters move. Yeah. And it's just and for back then too, there's something with just like. I don't know what it is like. Like we're talking about, kind of being spoiled nowadays with stuff. Like if someone does something really well and it's just like amazing, so many amazing elements are put into it, and it looks super, you know, fresh, good color, 4K. You almost don't appreciate <laughs> it as much as like the older yeah. stuff where they're just doing these insane animations and flips and running around and like just these elements that are, I don't know, like, like you, you admire it more, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Cause it was probably harder back then. Yeah. And no, I get what you mean. But you know, this actually ties into something we were just talking about with like how you can have good animation. That, that doesn't necessarily mean it's smooth or you can have smooth animation. That doesn't necessarily mean it's good. This is like one of the most like animatorly brick films ever made. I think it's, in the running, you you could call this the best animated brick film of all time, and it's not the smoothest animated, but oh, it's yeah. the character mm-hmm. of the animation, the way everyone moves, and just the physics of everything, and like it, you know, the it aims to be cartoony, and it nails it every single time, every single shot and motion of everything. Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind. This is a you know, hundred percent a cartoon. <laughs> 
Um, it's just... Um, oh, yeah. I don't think there was anything quite like this when it came out. Um, no way. And I feel like this is really this really kind of... Yeah. I think it probably had quite an impact, um, you say, like, with, like... Absolutely. You know, <laughs> how we view that well, kind of stuff now. This is... I, I call this one of my top five favorite brick films of all time. And, like, when this... Well, yeah, but about the time when this came out... Um, I mean, I kind of wasn't hugely active at the time, but upon getting back into brick filming, um, it was this and uh, Joni Phillips, known as Just Kidding at the time in brick filming. Th- those were the, the oh, two influences yeah. where I was like, oh, you could animate Lego like and actually, you know, give them character and, <laughs> you know, put thought and effort yeah. into the animation. Like before that, it was just <laughs> sort of like you'd move the arm just because you had to move them while they were talking. You know, it's was, it was very boring and like just... Just gonna, trying to get through it, you know, but this yeah. this absolutely blew my mind. It was like, oh my god, there's so much more you can do. You can put character into everything. It's it's amazing. I think, um, like you mentioned physics. There's that moment where like the 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 robot creature thing is just like shoving between one person against the wall and like pushing the other guys pushing back. And you're just like you're feeling that you're feeling like the physical aspect of that, like going back and forth. And it, I think that's one thing with animation. If you can, like, kind of feel it as you're seeing it, like, the, the animator's doing something very right. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel it, yeah. That, that's a big deal. on a, like, conceptual yeah. level as well, I mean, I guess you were talking in the past about, like, how... Uh, I guess it's quite funny, actually, with all our, our picks. Um, they all happen to be, you know, dialogue-free, which kind of... We'll talk about, you know, a lot anyway, but, like... Yeah, I feel that's like <laughs> That's just a coincidence as well. But oftentimes we have coincidences. <laughs> yeah, with I also things. think that um, all three of them are like amazingly well animated, like ten out of ten. <laughs> but um, mm. I I do think <laughs> as well, like what I love about this is and this is something that I've heard a lot, you know, in the past about like when it comes to like storytelling and world building and stuff. Sometimes you don't like have to over-explain things, and you know they just sort of throw this, you know, onto us like the whole thing of like this is this robot that's just attacking them. You, they don't, you don't really need to know more than that for it yeah. to just work <laughs> and it, it it just it does you know there's no <laughs> there's no kind of like <laughs> do you know what I mean it kind of like sometimes good storytelling doesn't have to explain yeah, everything you know it's just yeah th- th- this is what's going on yeah <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. You, you were mentioning there's robots now <laughs> okay you're mentioning like if this had influence but you know over the years plenty of times I've seen people like doing animation or you can tell that they're they're going out of their comfort zone and they're trying to make things more interesting and like cartoony and they it, it's very common when people start doing that you see that they have a character with a hat that wobbles around on it on the character's head and every time i see that i'm like yeah they were influenced by matrix malfunction that 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 expanded their mind uh and i, I did that in horace and horace's day out there's a, a character with a top hat and occasionally it's like sort of you know, not perfectly affixed to his head. And that was, you know, directly from Major Malfunction. Yeah. There's that thing where it's like, okay, you want to make more cartoony brick films? You're going to need that <laughs> sticky tack. And you're, and gonna you're going to need rings. to watch this film and understand why it's so good. A lot of masking. Because <laughs> it's, there's so much that you need to do that. Because I was, uh, I think on older brick filmers, uh, older, older brick films that I'd worked on, like I never used rigs or any out of socket army animations or anything really with like sticky tack to move things around and when you when you don't have access to those things you're not going to be like you're not going to be able to make things move like that <laughs> that's true too yeah yeah we 
we are spoiled in brick filming that we don't have to use rigs for characters but at the same time it's a bit of a limitation to not be using them want it to be good (laughs) yeah like i couldn't do i think with the past three brick films i released like i could not animate what i animated if i didn't have those elements like like you can't make the minifigure jump if you're not gonna i mean i guess you you could hypothetically try to do something with like him being on top of bricks and angling it in a way that you can mask it out later but just wouldn't be as easy if as like having a rig or something that's just kind of like holding that minifigure up and levitating him and allowing you to kind of make those kind of those movements uh with gravity and physics and whatnot but yeah i feel like i could watch this film a hundred times and it wouldn't get old and yeah (laughs) it's it's always the first thing i point to you know if i want to show somebody what good animation actually is (laughs) it's major malfunction and it's so funny because um this is um i i was literally so close to picking this myself um (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, should I do that? And and then, and then you you you're like you're so cl- yeah. It was like my second my second pick. I'm actually amazed we haven't talked about it before. <laughs> when I, it was I, picked, I, I was sort too, of thinking, yeah. did we not I, already? I talk thought about it? I thought you guys might have already. <laughs> I had to ask. I was like, is this? Did you guys already? I think talk we talked about, about yeah. first class by Mr. <laughs> Mullock, which is also really good. Yeah, I see. I think we may have talked about this a bit then, but yeah, mm-hmm. not like. Yeah, I'm sure when we talked about first class, we probably also. <laughs> <laughs> went over major malfunction but yeah it's totally worth showcasing on its own we do like to uh talk about um you know other brick films when we're talking about the showcase so we probably did but um <laughs> and um it's kind of funny because both both of my um our picks um the Go sheep and this are films like wait we haven't talked about this already like how do we not talk about these already <laughs> but yeah no it's yeah. but yeah that's, that's a good way of capping off you know it feels like uh, in this discussion we we talked a lot about like physics uh yeah what what people might think is is good animation and what it actually is which might sound a bit um elitist but it's uh (laughs) in saying things like that it's hard to explain everything i mean by saying it but there's a lot a a lot that's why we send them away to those those fancy pants tutorials (laughs) there's a lot of like underlying ideas and knowledge um informing uh opinion like that i i do also think as well like you know in these three films uh these three picks there's some very different animation styles um and you know you can take you could take inspiration from all of them uh, depending on what style you want to go for because i mean if you do want to go for like a smooth animation style you know take some inspiration from um the great invention you know and mm-hmm. i'd say you'll see if you want to go cartoony mm-hmm. then you know i mean you have to watch made of our function anyway you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually yeah that, that's a good point yeah that the, the three picks we have are all very different styles of animation but they're all really good and yeah mm-hmm. one of them is really smooth but yeah like yeah that's not why it's good <laughs> i'd be interested to ask all three of the animators like what influences they had outside of brick filming that influenced the way they animated these shorts mm-hmm. well for sure major malfunction you know you can tell by the other uploads on mr Mullock's channel would have been influenced by traditional animation because <laughs> you know he, he seems to have done animation in like all sorts of different styles there's some hand-drawn stuff and clay and even source filmmaker i think that's something as well because i think you kind of we've sort of touched on it sort of a little bit in this um episode but i think that um 
you know, you shouldn't be afraid to uh, take take some influence from yeah. outside of brick filming. Yeah, I mean, just because Absolutely. just because we've got all these kind of advantages of oh yeah, you know, we can base the characters onto the set and we can, um, you know, we don't have to like create whole molds or you know or, like community designs for characters or anything just because we don't have to do it doesn't mean that we uh, can't occasionally do it you know and just uh play around and and i guess broaden the possibilities of what we can do with something that may seemingly seem quite um you know not have much much like uh but yeah that's a good point actually you know i'd say that a lot of the best brick mm-hmm. films ever made are by people whose primary influence at that time isn't coming from brick film from other brick films you know i'm thinking of like people like night owl obviously wasn't just looking at other brick films to make the stuff he was making at the time he was making it and the same with major malfunction you know you couldn't get to that animation stuff well i mean okay i guess technically you could but you know it would be very unlikely to get to reach that animation style if all you were seeing was other brick films made before it yeah yeah i think it's it's cool to talk about too because it goes back to the topic of inspiration that we were talking about and maybe even like going outside of film and animation seeing like what you see in like the everyday life like how maybe that has some kind of influence on the way you're animating as well um kind of really not not restricting what you have to be inspired by all the way down to just other brick films you know like really like let your mind kind of explode a little bit with well what is this thing this mm-hmm. dog walking down the street the person walking their dog right noticing the way they're moving oh like, yeah yeah I mean, maybe that has some influence there like there's stuff all around us for sure know? taking note of how things move in real life is very useful but of course you know uh, don't get caught staring <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's important <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah i guess this would be this is probably a uh a good sort of time to kind of like uh, cap it off, I suppose. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this has just been a, uh, just been a great conversation. I mean, we, I know I say this, I say this yeah. pretty much every episode, but you know, we could just go on for for hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I mean, thank you so much yeah. for joining us. It's uh, been really great. Yeah, th- thank you again for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah, it's been great to talk with you. All right. <laughs> I remember, you know, when That's the Way It Goes came out, I was thinking like, man, this is so good. I can't wait to see what he does next. And of course, the next thing he did was immediately quit brick filming. <laughs> so I got to say, I'm very glad to, to see you come back. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully uh, I'll make one or two more. We'll see what happens. Well, I'll be looking forward to them. And now, you know, and, and awesome. this is the last we ever hear of, of Laura Benson. There's no joke. Just disappeared after that. Don't know what happened to him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in all seriousness, um, yeah, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. And uh, and yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, bye. Bye. Awesome. Bye. <laughs>